Hi folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in. Sure do appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time. Hope it makes the day go a little bit smoother. uh, Hope y'all get something out of it. And hopefully the country does too, just a little bit, even if nothing else. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, help it to grow. Thank you so much. I'm grateful, humbled by it, and uh, still a little bit shocked by it since it continues. And, well, thank God. Thank you, Lord, that I get to come out and talk with y'all and go for our little walks. So that's what we're going to do. No dogs today so far. No birds or children's or anything else kitty cats we'll see what happens nothing really to report on the garden we did get one more of our late watermelons but it wasn't very good it was it wasn't very sweet on the inside so that was kind of disappointing but i think that's about it we're to keep going with this series on Churchill. This will be the third part. We'll probably do a couple more. Pick up a little bit of what we didn't get to yesterday uh, or the other day and then uh, and then try and get through another part or two. So we'll go ahead and get going. Some part we missed yesterday. Uh, this is 1937 and Czechs, the Czechs, Czechoslovakia, which I always struggle saying, is really coming under pressure from Hitler. And Churchill and a couple others are trying to wake up the British citizenry to what's really going on. And they're not having a whole lot of luck. So we're going to read a couple snippets from this time period just to give you a little frame of reference. In June 1937, Winston received a long report from one of his most reliable informants, Sheila Grant Duff, a cousin of Clemmie's, that's his wife, Clementine, and an Oxford graduate who was living in Prague. Western Czechoslovakia, she wrote, was kept in constant turmoil by gangs of Sudeten Germans who roamed the streets at night, clubbing Jews, looting their shops, and desecrating synagogues. She cited two of Henland's Nazis who claimed they had been ill-treated by Czech policemen. This could be used to launch the countermeasures which the German press has threatened. Sheila was worried about the future of the Czech state. She implored Winston to do everything in your power to make our attitude firm and unfaltering. The crisis has never been so great. And I am convinced that only almost entirely is dependent upon us. Writing in Oxford to Lord Londonbury, who continued to believe that Anglo-Nazi friendship was possible. Winston pointed out that any arrangement with the Germans would entail giving them a free hand so far as we are concerned in Central and Southern Europe. So... I've asked each day, I didn't at the start of this one, to, when I'm reading these little 
bits to put them in frame of reference of modern American citizens, both on the left and the right. And the thing here that really struck me is, is obviously times were getting bad. We know that now historically, for sure, for the Czechs. And yet, because of the way the media reported things, a lot of the British citizens didn't see that, didn't know anything about it. And we're going to talk in just a minute. They really didn't want to know anything about it. And on the other side, uh, the, the Germans, the kind of the same was true. The, the Nazi hierarchy controlled the press there completely. But, but they knew what was going on to the Jews internally in their own country. And we're going to, if we get to that, we're going to talk about some really uh, just, you know, comments about the way the Jews were being treated, which is just almost shocking to me, at least. And, and there was still this attitude, like that last line there about, about this Lord Londonberry continuing to believe that Anglo-Nazi friendship was possible. You know, the, the differences are pretty stark, folks, on this core set of values in America today. You, you can't be pro-life and pro-abortion, pro-death, pro-murder at the same time. You can't claim to love America, but want God rejected out of our institutions and policy and law. It, those, that's not something you can sit down at the table and discuss, like, tax rates or foreign policy or something and and maybe have really strong differing opinions on but but that's okay these are issues that you either go one way or the other folks and this idea that we can have some middle ground there's a lot of people out there today that that really think they're morally superior because oh well i'm a moderate i i'm i'm in the middle i'm not way on the left i'm not way on the right no, that that just means you're just trying to take yourself out of the fight. You, you can't, there is no middle ground on these core issues, folks. And, and there's no reconciliation between the two sides. There's no coexistence there. And, and this attitude that we have today on these issues, and you can see it, and you can see it on these moral issues. You look at what's going on with women's sports again right now. Feminism and the LGBTQ movement have led to this point clearly, blatantly, for decades. It's been coming if we would pay attention. And and there's no, you, you can't say, well, I believe that a man is a woman. Well, I believe that a woman is a woman and a man is a man. Those two different sides, there's no point at which they coincide, folks. And I think that's very similar to to the difference in understanding for a lot of people in in Britain, at least. I think on the left, I think there's a lot of people that realize that. And, uh, well, we're going to go ahead and go to the next point, and we'll talk about that some. So this is another same time frame, and Winston talking about needing to to stop i almost said to check to check the nazi process in czechoslovakia to stop this process unless the nazi pressure on prague was counterbalanced by other great powers the democratic state bens and marzik had founded 
will be forced to make continuous surrenders, far beyond the bounds of what any impartial tri tribunal would consider just or right, until finally her sovereignty, her independence, her integrity have been destroyed. It was absurd, said Churchill, to pretend that England could remain detached and naive to believe that the Sudeten crisis would be Hitler's last. The might behind the German dictator increases daily. His appetite may grow with eating. The forces of law and freedom have for a long time known nothing but rebuffs, failures, and humiliations. Their influence would be immensely increased by any signs of concentrated action and initiative and combination. England should be committed not only to Paris and Prague, but to the integrity of every state which might come within range of the German artillery. Great danger lay, he continued, in growing complacent during lulls in Hitler's demands. After a boa constrictor has devoured its prey, it often has a considerable digestive spell. Each Nazi outrage, the defiant unveiling of the Luftwaffe and conscription, the seizure of the Rhineland and then its fortification had been followed by a pause. Now, he said, after Austria has been struck down, we were all disturbed and alarmed, but in a little while there may be another pause. Then people will be saying, see how the alarmists have been confuted? Europe has calmed down, it's all blown over, and the war scare has passed away. The prime minister will perhaps repeat what he said a few weeks ago, that the tension in Europe is greatly relaxed. The Times will write a leading article to say how silly those people look who on the morrow of the Austrian incorporation raised a clamor for exceptional action in foreign policy and home defense, and how wise the government were not to let themselves be carried away to this passing incident. To take such an attitude, he said, was indefensible, a flagrant defiance of the facts. Every day, every week, the people of Austria were being subjugated to the rigors of Nazi domination. I'm going to keep reading in just a second, folks. I want to take a break, though. So, what, uh, well, Stella, obviously, our Black Knight fighter obviously found something in the woods to go get. Uh, the big deal here, folks, the really the point that I wanted to get at is Churchill's comparison to the boa constrictor and then his little paragraph there, the speech about every time Hitler calmed down, the British citizens said, oh, all right, we're good. And the press backed it up and everybody said, see all those, those alarmists, they were just crazy. And y'all may think that sometimes listen to this podcast and that's fine. But folks, Logically, there's no reconciliation on these core values that we talk about on this podcast day in and day out. We need to understand that with our, not just the national politicians and cultural leaders, but with our, our citizens that live down the road that we see every day. Because we've been pretending for a long time that, that it's, it's kind of like I had an old pastor that talked about you go to church on Sunday and then you forget God the entire rest of the week, right? We get to these points where we see that there's no real reconciliation on issues. You know, uh, the abortion issue, again, is good. The LGBTQ issue is good. Illegal immigration, uh, you know, the educational problems, revisionist history, critical race theory, kicking God out of everything. Uh, 
but for whatever reason, we get just a little pause. We don't even get a win, folks. We just get just just a little break, you know. I think a lot of people, when when the Supreme Court passed the Roe v. Wade decision earlier this summer, they were like, "Oh man, all right, we're good, we're done," you know. Or or when you finally get somebody that stands up just a little bit to the NCAA or or state sports, public education, whatever you know you're called in that state. And said, no, we're, we're not going to allow men to compete as women. We go, oh, all right, we're good. We're done now. They're going to stop now. The, you know, the left, they're not going to push anymore. How has that worked over the last really 50 to 80 years, folks? It hasn't at all. Every time we take a break, every time we sit back and relax and we go, okay, we're good. They're just waiting. It's like that digestive digestive spell that Churchill talked about with the boa constrictor. They're just they're just waiting, just just for us to get quiet and peaceful again, just to kind of lull us back to sleep, folks. And every time they do, we lose a little bit of our soul, of our country. It's like the analogy that that uh, my uncle that I talked to y'all about recently passed on to me. That pendulum swings back, folks, but every time it swings back, it's a little bit farther to the left. And we sit around and clap and cheer and we're like, yeah, all right. And we don't seem to realize that we're still losing. We're losing our country for ourselves. Yes, that's true. For our, for our wives, our children even more. Right. And, and Churchill saw this and he was trying to warn about it. All right. We're going to read a little bit more here. I think I've got enough for one more little blip. Every hour, every minute, the forces of conquest and intimidation were regrouping for another assault. Soon another stroke would fall. What I dread, he told the house, is that impulse now given an effective effort may pass away when the dangers are not diminishing, but accumulating and gathering, as country after country is involved in the Nazi system and as their vast preparations reached their final perfection. He was nearing the end of his speech. The commons was still as still. He lowered his head and continued, the slight impediment in his speech adding to the drama of his delivery as he followed the psalm form of his notes. For five years I have talked to the house on these matters, not with very great success. I have watched this famous island descending incontinently, fecklessly, the stairway which leads to the dark gulf. It is a fine, broad stairway at the beginning, but after a bit the carpet ends. A little farther on there are only flagstones, and a little farther on still those break beneath your feet. Then in measured tones, if moral catastrophe should ever overtake the British nation and the British Empire, Historians a thousand years hence will still be baffled by the mystery of our affairs. They will never understand how it was that a victorious nation, with everything in hand, suffered themselves to be brought low and to cast away all that they had gained by measureless sacrifice and absolute victory. Gone with the wind. Now the victors are the vanquished, and those who threw down their arms and sued for an armistice are striding on to world mastery. That is the position. That is the terrible transformation that has taken place. Now is the time at last to rouse our nation. 
we should lay aside every hindrance and endeavor by uniting the whole force and spirit of our people to raise again a great British nation, standing up before all the world. For such a nation, rising in its ancient vigor, can even at this hour save civilization. The left, folks, is always preparing for the next attack on America's moral and social underpinnings. It's like I tried to explain to my wife and a few other close friends when I got back. When we were overseas, there were not just a few, but a number of people over there that, that sat around and talked about how to kill us as Americans, the same way that many of us sit around and watch football on a Saturday or a Sunday. And, and, and so every, every setback, every time we win a, a battle and we falsely think that we've won the war here in America. It's just a temporary pause for the left to catch their breath. That's it, folks. We didn't win the battle. You know, and, and the battle, you, you can really take this all the way to the New Testament and spiritual forces. And in one sense, the battle will never really be over. But let me read one more quote here that I meant to read the other day. And maybe this will make a little bit more sense. This is out of a speech by Ronald Reagan. Uh, I think the speech was from 1961, actually. Now, back in 1927, an American socialist, Norman Thomas, six-time candidate for president on the Socialist Party ticket, said the American people would never vote for socialism. But he said, under the name of liberalism, the American people will adopt every fragment of the socialist program. You know, folks, we we may not have uh, two puppy dogs come out of the woods to say hi. The situation, I, I think it's safe to say, it's never exactly the same throughout history. You never get the exact same countries or or social or economic situation. But... But you see the similarities, and we're going to talk more about it tomorrow. The British citizens and others in other countries, but, but this biography covers these so well. Again, this is the second volume by Manchester. It's called Alone. Phenomenal if you like this kind of stuff, folks. I, I highly recommend it. But the British citizens, either by choice or because they really wanted the other side to, to be successful. They, they really were ignorant of the danger. They were asleep at the wheel. And the German citizens, they saw what was going on and, and they still kept going down that path, giving Hitler support, working for him, helping the Nazis, you know. So look at that and, and then look at the, the citizens that we have today in America and, and kind of use, use your own brain, folks, and make your own judgment. Maybe you disagree with me and that's fine. But I feel like the comparisons are pretty strong and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a war. We're, we're losing this country kind of like 
during the Cold War with the Soviets, except it's a cold civil war right now. And if we don't wake up and make those fundamental changes, those radical changes that, that I talk about in our individual lives and our marriages, our, our schools, our states, uh, we're going to wake up one day and it's going to be like Churchill was talking about the historians. They're going to be absolutely baffled at why America fell apart. I'll leave you all alone. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks.